The opinions expressed on this WebmasterRadio.fm program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of WebmasterRadio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. Want to become best friends with the single most powerful person in the country? Whether she's a Gucci girl, Prada professional, coach queen, or target trendsetter, we'll untie the purse strings and give you the inside track on today's woman. How to capture her attention, grow her loyalty, and create such enthusiasm about your company or product that she spreads the word with her friends and family. WebmasterRadio.fm presents Purse Strings. Purse strings. Join marketing to women expert Maria Retan, senior principal at Carmichael Lynch Spong, as she chats with those in the know so your business can grow. WebmasterRadio.fm presents Purse Strings. Here's your host, Maria Retan. Good afternoon and welcome to Purse Strings. I'm Maria Retan. Thanks so much for joining me today. You can catch Purse Strings every Tuesday right here, 3 o'clock Eastern. You're going to learn how you and your company can corner the market on the most powerful consumer in the country. The 51% of us who control more than 80% of all the spending. The woman. Well, today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, a Better Homes and Gardens study that really takes a look at how women uh, relate to food, specifically the food they buy. Uh, Better Homes and Gardens um, just went out and did a nationwide survey of more than 2,000 women and took a look at kind of what motivated women uh, about the food that they buy, what are their attitudes, their behaviors, that type of thing. And the, the survey was called The Food Factor, How America cooks, eats, and shops. And I I don't think it's going to be too terribly surprising to you that women are looking to save a lot of money in the kitchen, mainly because of how weak the economy is and the fact that we're paying nearly 50% more on an average grocery bill than we did just two years ago. I had no idea it was nearly 50% more. I knew that I was paying more money, but I had no idea it was 50%. Um, here's some stats to back that up. On average, according to Better Homes and Gardens, a woman spends about $105 each week on groceries. And that's about 34 bucks more than we did two years ago. Now, clearly, that's significant. So that's really the motivating change uh, for these women to change what they buy, where they buy, to limit their food purchases, and even to switch stores. And nearly 95% of women say that they're very or somewhat concerned about the cost of food today. Well, I'm even more concerned now that I know it's 50% higher than two years ago. In fact, I'm freaked out about that. Um, According to uh, the survey results, 71% of women are stocking up on bargains. uh, 66% are eating out less often. And the majority of them are comparing food prices. They're looking for value. And they do still shop each week at their regular supermarket, but they're also checking out superstores, supercenters, and discount supermarkets more than they ever have been. And, um, you know, they still look at what the store has as far as selection and what the store looks like as um, kind of why they go and shop there. Now, the other thing I thought was interesting is that more of us are actually freezing foods and cooking in batches. 
And we're obviously cutting back on certain kinds of foods like baked goods and desserts, convenience foods, even wine and alcohol and gourmet oils. I would think that wine and alcohol actually might be increasing because of the economy, but maybe that's just me. Um, it says, too, that more of us are buying more store uh, brand or private label brand foods. And we've talked a lot about this on this show, about how it just doesn't have the, um, I think at one point, uh, private label just seemed to have some kind of mark against it, but that's really not the case anymore. And we're motivated by coupons, store samples, and also experimenting with um, taste. So I thought that was kind of interesting today, uh, especially in light of uh, our upcoming guests, which we'll talk about in just a minute. Uh, but first, we're going to talk a little bit about um, the luxury, the reasonable luxury moms. That's our purse profile today. Now, this woman is about 35 years old. She's married. She's got children in the home, uh, making about $75,000 a year. And she's typically at home full time. There's a little over uh, about a million of these women. And, um, you know, she's really struggling against her desire to have luxury items and really her role as a mom. Perhaps she at one point would have spent pretty lavishly on herself, but now she gets a lot of guilt and feels very selfish about uh, that type of spending. She does like to buy quality goods and still is worth, you know, says it's worth paying a little bit more for. Um, but at the same time, she is very motivated by her children. She says that they have a significant impact on the brands that she buys. And um, she, you know, will even shop around for expensive items at different stores to try to find the best price. Friends' opinions really influence her. And she will ask advice before buying new things. And it's, it says that she's easily swayed by others. So where does she buy and what does she buy? Well, she likes L'Oreal and MAC, Victoria's Secret, Chanel. Um, she does buy alcohol. Kendall Jackson and Jacobs Creek Woodridge are all um, big ones with her. And she's shopping at home stores like Pottery Barn, Williams-Sonoma, Pier 1, um, Victoria's Secret, Old Navy, and Banana Republic. When it comes to her media choices... Uh, She's online at Disney.com, Blockbuster, Yellow Pages, and Amazon. Um, She's watching Excess Hollywood, HGTV, Nickelodeon, Disney, and Grey's Anatomy. And when it comes to magazines, a little bit of everything here. Parenting, Parents, Shape, Real Simple, Family Fun, Cooking Light, and Vogue. So, when you're looking at this woman who's kind of conflicted about um, her need for luxury and then her dwindling pocketbook, we've got women who are focused on uh, 50% increases in food and having less money to purchase that food with. You know, we're, we're really concerned today about market share and how to reach the, those women at a time when they are cutting back. Well, we've been talking about women changing their food habits. My guest for the program has one suggestion on how to help you. It's called Gender Bending. Matthew Paparaki is co-founder and president of Boom Bang, a creative agency based in L.A. And you're going to learn today a little bit about gender bending. How do you gender bend? And how does that kind of work with corporate America? Uh, you're about to find out when Purse Strings returns in just a moment. Okay, time for something we can all relate to. Shopping. Her strings will be right back after these messages from our advertisers. How do you choose the right affiliate network to partner with? The answer is simple. MarketHealth.com, where health and wealth connect. 
Established in 1998, the MarketHealth.com affiliate network allows you to market and promote the world's leading health and beauty offers on the net. Start making recurring income and the highest payouts in our industry. Choose from over 50 of the hottest selling offers, ranging from herbal supplements, skincare, vitamins, beauty products, weight loss, and much more. Sign up for free at MarketHealth.com and start making money today. the number for Jerry's Pizza? Look it up on localpages.com. Localpages.com or what if I wanted a business number in Miami? Localpages.com. Can people find your business online? Be seen with localpages.com on every local listing in all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, MSN, and Ask. With over 6 billion quality searches a month and bids starting as low as one set, get connected with local consumers at the exact moment that they're looking for you. San Francisco, Green Bay, London. I told you. Localpages.com. List your business on localpages.com now and get $100 in free local advertising. Localpages.com bringing your neighborhood to you. Affiliate marketing is changing rapidly. Stay ahead of the trends with Affiliate Marketing Insider. Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Affiliate Marketing Channel, only on webmasterradio.fm. Her Strings is back with the inside track on Today's Woman. Here's your host, Maria Retan. Well, welcome back to Purse Strings. I'm joined today by Matthew Peprocki, president of BoomBang, an L.A.-based creative agency. And Matthew and BoomBang first caught my attention in a recent Ad Age article called Gender Bending Brands, an Easy Way to Increase Product Reach. And I thought it was a really intriguing read, and this promises to be a very intriguing discussion. Matthew, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to have you on the show, but before we dive into gender bending, will you tell everyone a little bit about your agency, BoomBang? Sure. Uh, BoomBang is a a creative think tank. It's a a hybrid between a venture incubator and a creative services agency. Uh, We work with uh, a range of different companies, uh, startups through large corporations, uh, helping them solve business challenges uh, through design. Uh, We have a team of of, uh, of people from the world of advertising, product graphic, interactive design, engineering, brand strategy, consumer research, and, and business. Yeah, you cover a little bit of everything out there for sure. And um, I had not heard of BoomBang before I read the Ad Age article in which you were quoted as saying that companies need to figure out their product's gender orientation. But I can tell you right now, I'm sure I'm going to be hearing more about BoomBang. Um in other words, you were really saying to companies, find out if your product's a boy or a girl. And I was wondering, how in the heck do you do that? I mean, where do you even begin, and why would you even want to figure that out? Well, contemplating the gender orientation of a product, it's, a, it's an exercise that we use to help provide insight into how you can better align the product offering with what the market desires. It's a it's a technique that can reveal these opportunities and maybe even how to reach a new market. 
And some of the questions uh, that that we go through are, are you focusing specifically on a male or female consumer? Uh, are your products primarily bought by men or women? Are you uh, intentionally focusing on a specific gender or is it just the nature, so the legacy of the industry that you're in to cater towards men or to women more? And then you can also compare yourself to your competitors and think, uh, does my brand have more or less appeal to men or women than my competitors do? Hmm, interesting. And so once you've kind of gone through that, you've asked those series of questions about, um, you know, who do you appeal to, who are you focused on as a consumer, that type of thing, then, then what do you do after that? Well, once you've determined the gender of your brand and your product, you can look for opportunities to align the total experience around the product to that gender. So does the packaging, the marketing, the advertising, the retail channels that you're going through, do those all fit uh, the the model that works for the way that your uh, gender is looking to relate to products in the market? And uh, further, you can look is there an opportunity to actually flip the gender of the product to reach a broader market? And that's what we call gender bending. Okay. Now, a quick question. When you, I know there's a lot of product research that goes into these types of things. Everything from, you know, you go out and you test the packaging. You know, you, you go and test some key messaging around marketing. You're always, you know, testing and retesting, advertising. Would you recommend doing the same thing when you flip the gender? I mean, would you would you suggest going back out to that other gender and doing some of that same research that you already did the first time around? Yeah, absolutely. You, know, it, it, you want to use the same techniques to align your, your offering to the consumers, whether uh, it's towards consumers that you were intentionally focusing before or if your intention is to switch that up and focus on a different consumer, you'd want to use the same the same exercises and techniques and strategies to achieve that. Okay, so just to ensure that you're on the right path, you want to go out and test and test again. Well, I know that um, you know we've been talking a lot on this program, and I feel like on every everywhere I look, we're talking about the economy, and we're talking about people out there shopping less or being more thoughtful about what they do purchase, and it feels like that market share is shrinking. Um, you know, or in some cases, it may be growing because your competitors are going out of business. Have you seen gender bending put to the test effectively to really capture more of the market share? Absolutely, yeah. Some you know some recent examples that we can talk about. Uh, one is uh, in the food and beverage space. Um, you often see products that are focused on one gender or the other. Uh, one of those things is uh, a diet foods tend to have an appeal that is more focused on women, even though there's a benefit that men care about, uh, tending to call a product diet doesn't really quite have that, that manly appeal uh, mm-hmm. that, that reaches men always. You know, they don't want to be seen drinking a, a diet soda, for example. So if you look at products like Coke Zero or, or Pepsi Max, which are essentially the same product uh, and the same value proposition as uh, as Diet Coke and Diet Pepsi, they've, they've gone through and they've dropped the diet label, and with that, they've been able to gain uh, broader appeal. Uh, sales of Coke Zero um, have been doing very well uh, in the U.S., and their balance between men and women as opposed to Diet Coke, which um, has had um, traditionally more of a, a female consumer base. Uh, another example that, that we see is in the gaming market. 
actually, you know, the gaming market for a few different reasons is one of the, is one of the only markets that, that has been doing fairly well during this recession. And, and one of those reasons is because uh, of gender bending, traditionally a masculine market, but led by, the, uh, led by Nintendo uh, and what they've been able to do with the Wii and its appeal to families and appeal to females, they've been actually able to reach out to a whole different market and there's a whole different genre of games and game consoles that have developed all around gender bending in the gaming industry. Yeah, I think that's a great example because I think, you know, you're right. The gaming market really has been more focused on men and the Wii has, in some cases, been the woman's point of entry into gaming. And I I would think, too, that once the woman gets into kind of that gaming world, that she might be more willing to explore other games within the marketplace as well. Is that something that might happen, you know, once you gender bend? and you open that person's eyes to that product, is there an opportunity to potentially expand within the category? Absolutely. You know, you do see, uh, you know, women being introduced to a whole new uh, group of products out there that they hadn't seen before in the case of, of gaming, and there's absolutely products that, you know, were not intended for women that, of course, that they're going to be interested, uh, that they're going to be interested in. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned Coke Zero before, and and I may be putting you on the spot, so if I am and you can't recall, that's fine, but it seems to me that they have a really great ad out uh, around Coke Zero. Is that the one where the guys are all, you know, like taking a hit with the golf club or getting almost electrocuted, but it's but it ends up being a Coke Zero ad? Is that the one I'm thinking of? Um, I I don't recall that specific ad, but yeah, the marketing around Coke Zero has been much more either male focused or gender neutral than than some of the, um, than the than the Diet Coke has gone. In fact, even with Diet Coke, I believe that um, um, Duffy, the singer, uh, which is uh, clearly a, a female focus, is now their spokesperson. Which you can also look at that strategy too. And by introducing Coke Zero, it also allows them to hone their marketing message of Diet Coke as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah, that one ad, and I think it is Coke Zero, caught my attention because it was so male-focused, and I thought it was completely anti-Coke because I've, I've been used to seeing a lot of female-focused ads, so it really caught my attention for that very reason. So hopefully it's catching some men's eyeballs as well. Now, yes, it, felt, to, it feels much more like uh, almost like what you would traditionally see from a beer commercial. Uh-huh, exact, that's exactly right. That's exactly right, Matthew. That was my reaction to it. It felt very um, beer, beer-like. Is that the right, is the right term? <laughs> right. Uh, um, but to take advantage of gender bending, now, do you have to assume that your product is clearly in the male camp or the female camp, or can it be a blend? Uh, sure, it can be a blend. I mean, what you can do is you can kind of look at the, the attributes of the brand and product and look for opportunities to either push them a little bit more masculine or feminine. You may, you may intentionally want to blend those two. So if you're leaning a little bit one way or the other way, simply by asking yourself this question, you may be looking to balance it out or you may be looking to uh, 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 bend it or you may be looking to take what your focus is and even hone that further. Uh, one interesting strategy is looking for opportunities where you can take 
essentially an investment that you've already made and look for an opportunity where you're, instead of having to have two completely different offerings, you can actually look for opportunities where you can take essentially the same offering and maybe position it in two different ways so that the product itself is essentially the same product, the same investment, the same R&D cost, but then you can package and market that product and, and brand that for two different markets. And, and a good example of this is uh, shaving razors. If you look at a company like Gillette, they've taken the basic same razor and the same technology, and there's a lot of R&D that goes into adding more blades uh, in that industry, and then they take that investment and they use different, a little bit of a different product, specifically in the ergonomics of the handle, but really in the packaging and the marketing. And it appears as Gillette Sensor or Fusion brands for uh, a masculine appeal, and then the Venus brand for women. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I could see where that would work, and I would think it would be some synergistic cost savings there to do that. But do you think it's better to use? Um, gender awareness to create that balanced appeal for the brand or do you think it's better to develop um, two different brands each with a different gender focus to align with it? Well, I think it's it's good to consider uh, both strategies and obviously investing in two different sub-brands could could require a bigger investment in the product, packaging, uh, advertising that needs to happen around that. But what you need to look at is if that's what's needed to effectively reach both the men, uh, the men's market and the women's market, then it could very well be worthwhile to, uh, uh, to do that. It's sort of that, you know, do you want to get stuck in the middle where you're not really effectively attracting anyone, or would you rather have uh, two offerings that clearly had appeal for the market? You know, one example we can look at is Nike, which actually has a blend of all three of those things. Um, you know, you can look at the Nike brand in general as a fairly balanced gender brand, uh, but within there you have the Nike Goddess brand and the Nike Goddess line of products that clearly is female-focused, and they've also taken Nike basketball and kind of what's happened around the Jordan brand and allowed that to go very male. So within Nike, you're actually looking at all three of these strategies existing at the same time. Well, and um, I know it all comes down to how men and women relate to products. And when we come back, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I do want to talk a little bit about the differences and similarities in both genders when it comes to how they relate to products, where and how they buy the product, um, how it's designed, that type of thing. So stick around. Um, more with Matthew and Boom Bang when Purse Strings comes back in just a minute. Okay, time for something we can all relate to. Shopping. First Strings will be right back after these messages from our advertisers. Friend Finder. Friend Finder. The world's largest online dating network. Featuring over 100 million profiles at hot sites such as Passion.com and FastCupid.com. Represents enormous profit-making opportunities for webmasters just like you. With Friend Finder's ability to geo-target and provide billing solutions in most languages and currencies, you are sure to find our comprehensive network to be a good friend to your wallet. Wallet. Get more traffic-maximizing details now at FriendFinder.com. 
Have a good weekend, Andy. See you, Andy. Hey, Jim, why are all the coders leaving so early? Doesn't your department have a deadline of, like, midnight or something? Me and my staff are here all night. I saved money on my staffing budget by outsourcing a lot of work to Offshoring.com. I told them I needed a coder, and they sent me profiles fast. My staff just filled in the little details, and now we're having margarita night. Offshoring.com. Fast and expensive. Excellent and on time. Offshoring.com. This is a test of the PR Web content and news delivery system from PR Web and PRWebAuthor.com. If this was a real release date, your story would reach more than 30,000 journalists, 250,000 RSS subscribers, and just over 30,000 unique websites. PR Web can reach your target audience online, drive traffic to your website, achieve high rankings on search engines, and get your content on top news sites like Yahoo News. Editors are available 24-7 to help you optimize your content for maximum exposure to over 70 million people in the U.S. alone. If this were a real PR web release date, your website would have so much traffic, you'd be tempted to duck and cover. If you have an online marketing emergency, go to PRWebOffer.com for 25% off. PR Web, the premier online release news and content distribution service. Affiliate Convention 2009 Denver, Thursday and Friday, June 18th and 19th. Free for all affiliates and all the information you need to know to grow your business. For more information about registration and sponsorship, visit www.affiliateconvention.com. Her Strings is back with the inside track on Today's Woman. Here's your host, Maria Retan. And we're back. You're listening to Purse Strings. I'm Maria Retan, and I'm joined today by Matthew Paprocki, president and co-founder of BoomBang. And we've talked I've been talking a lot today about gender bending and how you can um, determine whether your product is a boy or a girl and then flip the gender on that to potentially increase your market share. And Matthew, before the break, we were talking a little bit about how you can have a brand that appeals to both men and women, and um, which brought up a question that I had about what are some of the differences in how men and women relate to products? Sure. Well, obviously for any one individual, the stereotypes don't always hold up, but just as sure there are differences between the sexes, there are some generalities that we can make uh, to develop products that, that, that either sex values. Uh, in general, men have a tendency to objectify things. I'm sure that there's a lot of women out there that would agree with that. Um, they, tend to, they tend to talk about performance, specs, features. They find pride in being able to figure something out. Uh, and in competing with other men, you know, being able to look at their car and say, my car has more horsepower than, than the next guy, or I've got a, a beefier burger than uh, what the other guy is eating. On the, on the flip side, women tend to uh, personalize and internalize what the product will mean to them, what it will mean to their experience with the product, uh, how the product will allow them to express themselves, connect to their family and friends, um, uh, there's, there, there's a great book out there called Don't Think Pink that gets into some of the, the consumer psychology around women. And one of the points that it brings up is, in general, women tend to be more demanding than men uh, about the promise of a product or service and, and, and interested in the complete shopping experience surrounding that buy. Yeah, and I, I agree with that. Um, one of the uh, co-authors of that book, Andrea Lernard, has been on this show for a couple of times. And we've had... 
um, a lot of fun conversation around how women are more demanding than men. And I think most men out there would agree. And I would say that most men benefit from us, uh, we the woman, when it comes to our demanding ways because they get a more superlative shopping experience. But that's just, you know, my opinion. Um, when it comes to similarities between the sexes, um, I would assume that while we are different, that there are also some ways that we are similar when we relate to products. Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, above it all, we're still all part of the same species. I mean, you do have to be <laughs> careful when considering these generation, these uh, generalizations that we're making at surface level. You know, consumers and markets are continuously evolving, and men's and women's perspectives are are blending. So you just don't want to, you know, get too stuck in this idea of men always do this and women always do that. You know, there's an adage out there about shopping that men hunt and women gather. Uh, but one of the mm-hmm. things that uh, Paco Underhill notes in his book, Why We Buy, that in the case of online shopping, uh, men have adopted more of a gathering style of shopping, uh, looking at many sites before they make a purchase. Uh, so there, you know, there's a good example as, as technology and as things evolve and as the product offering changes and the way that we buy products and the way that we relate to them changes, men's and women's perspectives do blend and they do evolve. So you don't want to get too stuck into this dichotomy of absolutes. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. And it's funny because, um, you know, Andrea Leonard's newest uh, ideology is that um, – the sexes really are more alike than perhaps we are different. And it's interesting that Paco Underhill kind of has something similar, um, that we shouldn't necessarily appeal to each individual sex as much as to consider um, what it is about the products that are appealing. So it is, it's an, an interesting way to look at things. Um, when we talk about appeal, um, you know, you've got a female product that you're going to gender bend to appeal to men. And we've talked a little bit about what you should consider, like the packaging and the messaging. But what do you really, where do you start with that? Well, of course, you know, it depends on the situation. I mean, ultimately, you want the full experience from the product to the packaging, marketing, advertising, the retail. All points are the same needs and desires that the consumer has. I mean, we would, you know, look at the different opportunities and prioritize the focus oftentimes based upon the size of the investment that's needed and the potential return that we're going to see it having on, on, on your bottom line. You know, if your product already has an inherent appeal to men but was not reaching them, then maybe it's just a matter of updating the messaging of the, or, or the packaging to target them more. I would say, though, that you have men that are reluctant users of your product and you're reaching them through the channels that you're in right now, but you just don't think that your product is quite hitting on what their needs are. Take, for example, um, a Goody, uh, which is a, a division of Noel Rubbermaid that is a health and beauty company that has a, a line of women's products and grooming products, hair products, and also um, uh, other sorts of grooming products. And if you look at men, you know, men out there are trimming their nails and uh, using tweezers and such the same way that women are, but literally the products don't fit men. So one of the things that, uh, that Goody did is they introduced another brand called Ace, 
and they were able to leverage the same retail distribution and the same manufacturing that they had in order to create an actual product that literally fit men better. And in that case, you know, they did need to start with the product itself because the, the product was not a fit for, for men. So back to your, your question is, where you start kind of depends on where you're, where you have resonance with the, with the market and whether it's, it's more of a packaging and marketing oppor- opportunity that's really going to just crystallize the connection that is already there potentially with the product or whether you need to go a little bit deeper and you realize that the product itself just isn't a fit for, for the gender that you're trying to appeal to. Yeah. I, it sounds like you definitely need to start with the product and then determine if there's a way to customize it for the other gender and then maybe glom on the rest of that. Um, once you've made that determination, go to the packaging, go to the messaging, that type of thing. That makes perfect sense. And I know there's there's other ways clearly to increase market share besides gender bending. Sure, absolutely. You know, there are many tools and techniques that, that, that can be used to gain insights into markets and creating and creating products that, that, that the market's going to value. We, you know, we, we look at gender bending and looking at determining the, you know, is your product a boy or a girl or a mask and they're feminine as sort of just one of those techniques um, that we can build strategies around to address business challenges, but there's many of them. And it's important, like, like with all strategies, that you consider a wide range and you sort of blend those tools and you customize those to your, what your needs are. Yeah, it's, it's awfully interesting, though, and it makes for um, a great kind of thoughtful approach to business to, to look at your product and consider, can it be flipped um, so you can increase market share? Because in this day and age, we need all the market we can get, right? Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, Matthew, our time has run out. I, I so appreciate you being on the show today. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, you bet. And for those guys out there who want some more interest, uh, information on Boom Bang, you're going to want to check out the website. That's boombang.com. That's boom and bang put together.com. Thanks so much to George, my producer, for another great show. Join me next week for another edition of Purse Strings right here, 3 o'clock Eastern Time. Until then, make it a great one. 